0: You're listening to The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, your escape to reality. Hello and welcome once again to The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Today is August 24th, 2007. Uh, As many of you have probably already heard, but some may have not, this is a, a very sad episode for The Skeptic's Guide. Skeptical rogue Perry DeAngelis passed away on August 19th. We are going to have a more complete and more fitting memorial for Perry on next week's show. For this week, we are simply going to play some of Perry's best moments. These are clips from previous episodes, chosen by Perry's fans. And I want to give a special thanks to Mike Lassell, who runs sgufans.net for putting together this collection of clips for us. Also, uh, before those clips, we will include a a lecture that Perry gave about 10 years ago. This was part of a seminar that we gave to um, science school teachers at that time. So I give to you a brief retrospective of Perry DeAngelis and the full panel of skeptics, and I will return next week to share our thoughts and our memories of Perry.
1: Okay, uh, I'm just going to talk to you very briefly now about psychology and how it impacts what we've been talking about. I'm going to touch on the psychology of needs, your needs, uh, susceptibility to a con, how not to be, uh, effects of crisis when you're at the most vulnerable, cults, what they do. Uh, the placebo, now the, the next four, the placebo effect, the idiomotor effect, mass delusions, delusions, and fantasy-prone personality are all ways that um, can often explain paranormal phenomenon that we come in contact with. And then I'll finally touch on uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, I, I just put up here Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is just one uh, hierarchy that exists today. It's a good one, it's well-rounded. It's one that uh, is used all the time and impacts many other areas of psychology. Uh, he posited that there are five stages of needs that we all go through. The first is physiological, air, water, food, the things you need to stay alive. Second one is safety needs. Uh, this is feeling safe in your environment and knowing that the number one, your first needs are going to be met. Uh, three is love and belongingness, not to feel alienated. Four is needs of esteem to know that you have value and are valued by others, and finally, self-actualization, which where he posited that that is the stage when people can finally do the things that they were born to do: painters paint, writers write, teachers teach. Um, we point this out because it is it is a clear demonstration of the fact that we that needs permeate us at all levels, all stages, and all ages, and you have to be aware of them. Uh, this is a, a slide on how to avoid being conned. First thing on the slide is be aware of your own needs. You can actually sit down and create a chart of your own needs. You can try and do it from highest to least, most to least. And that will give you a very clear and very graphical way to understand your own needs and the places where you are most likely to be the most vulnerable. The things that you need the most, the desires that you have the most, are the places where you have to pause the most and reflect soberly. Um, Going on, if it seems too good to be be true, it probably is. That's an old cliche. Very valid. Be suspicious of flattery. Be wary of pressure for impulse buying. Do it right now or else you're going to lose the deal. Everyone else is doing it. Don't trust weasel words, Uh, may, might, could, should. If somebody claims that something may do something, they're not making a claim at all. Um, don't trust vague references to authority. We've discussed that anecdotes. Uh, we've discussed and the reasons why it's important to know why not to trust an anecdote. Why you can't just trust a tale. It has to have corroborative ev- evidence to support it. Peer pressure. Don't believe that all cons are easy to spot or that you're too that you're too intelligent to be con because you're not. Commenter out there, they are students of human psychology. They've been doing it for years and years. They've con people who are smarter than all of us. You have to be aware, you have to reflect. Do not be convinced by sincerity. This reflects back on the tales of anecdotes. Actors can turn sincerity on and off, it's like a light switch. Cannot simply be moved by sincerity. Crisis is simply a time when you are more vulnerable than normal. You know, a good example of this is in the case when a loved one, or even yourself, has been diagnosed with a terminal disease. You have come to the end of the course with evidence-based medicine. There's nothing else you can do. This might be a time where it is conceivable, even logical, to seek alternative modes of cure, alternative modalities. But still, even in this time, even in this great need where the alternative is, is death, you have to pause, you have to consider what it is that you're going to do. Um, If you're going to go seek an alternative cure, you know, is there any evidence that that cure has effect? What does your evidence-based physician have to say about it? How much does it cost? Are you going to bankrupt your family? Um, Things like this. Even in times of great duress, you have to pause, and it is when your critical faculties become the most vital and the most important. There are groups in our society... That prey specifically on people that are compromised and vulnerable. These are destructive groups, groups often known as cults. The five aspects that clearly paint them out and a way to recognize them quickly are I have up on the screen. The first is totalism. This is you know black and white thinking. This is us versus them. Um, once a, a cult snares you in, and th- that can be a subtle process. That can take a long time. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, overnight. They could, you know, first they'll invite you to come play some volleyball with them and maybe a couple of picnics. And You know, they'll make you feel comfortable, needed, wanted. They will satiate needs that in the outside world have not been sated for one reason or another. Once they get you in, these processes very quickly begin to take place. Environmental control. This is control of your every waking moment. 24 hours, every, every time you're awake, what you're doing, what you're eating, what you're thinking, what you're saying. There's no time to reflect. There's no time to consider what's going on around you. There's no time to criticize. Loading the language is simply jargon that is meaningful to people inside the cult, inside the network, but not to people outside of it. Like with the Moonies, when they call the Reverend Moon the true father. To us, that has very little meaning, but to them it's very important. Because if you join the moonies if that sad fact should occur, then he becomes your true father, literally. your biological parents are severed from you emotionally, intellectually, and physically they keep you from them um, and, and he becomes your true father. people in the, in that um, in that cult believe that and has powerful meaning to them. next is a demand for purity. this is what everyone in that In that cult is striving towards. Purity is defined by the leadership. It can be altered to their own needs. It can can be um, changed in any way they see fit. And anything is appropriate to sacrifice for purity, for seeking of purity. Finally, there's the mystical leadership. Again, it's uh, Moon, in the case of the Moonies. This is a mass wedding that he performed, the 7,500-odd couples, all prearranged weddings. And it's a total surrender to the leader and the group. Um, they take on an almost mystical mantle, these leaders. And, and, and you, will, you give up your morality, you will give up ethics, you will even give up the, the very basic need for self-preservation to court what the what the leader wants we are all i'm sure familiar uh, at least peripherally with heaven's gate that recently occurred all those people gave up their lives even the need for self-preservation was was lacking in those in those folks very important to be aware of destructive groups and their red flags and and they don't have to be religious in nature it could be a political group it can be a commercial group it's not just religious groups um next i want to touch on the placebo effect. Placebos are basically inactive substances. About one-third of the people taking an inactive placebo will report a beneficial effect, whether it's decreased symptoms or increased health. Even though the the substance couldn't possibly have any effect, they will. And the reason why that occurs is what's very important here. How the placebo can account for seeming... This is the way that a placebo can account for seeming successes in alternative medicine regimes. The fact of the matter is that most disease is self-limiting. The old saying of uh if you treat a cold it'll last a week, but if you leave it alone it'll be gone in 7 days is very true. It's very real. But this is this is the way someone taking a placebo could report that they were cured by it. I have a cold, I took the placebo, I was cured. Post hoc ergo propter hoc we discussed it earlier after it therefore because of it. That's a very that's a very key thing that most people don't understand, and it's an easy way to to account for the seeming effectiveness of these things. You also have suggestibility and expectation under those circumstances. And, And the three questions I have up here, can you answer the following? Does a positive placebo response mean the patient's problem is imaginary? Does a patient have to believe in the therapy for a placebo effect to occur? And are placebos harmless? Does anyone think the answer to any of these questions is yes? Come on. No one? Good. Answer to all three is no. And the reasons The reasons are, what I've discussed already, the fact that you don't have to believe in a placebo for it to work. It helps. It makes you more suggestible. It gives you a, uh, a larger expectation. Also, um, does a placebo response mean the patient's problem is imaginary? It doesn't, because the subjective symptoms can disappear while the objective ones still remain. Pain is a subjective symptom. Yeah, you know, That could go away, but your objective or causal symptom could still be there. The fact that, another reason why placebos can sometimes, this effect, can sometimes seem that alternative modalities are working, is because the fact that if you're seeking care in the first place, it probably means that you take better care of yourself. Therefore, you're more likely, uh, it is more likely for the disease you have to be self-limiting and cure itself. Alright, next I want to touch on subconscious control, just very quickly. This is simply the ability for your your mind to do things that you're totally unaware of. The common one is, is the Ouija board. Raise your hand if you ever use the Ouija board ever in your life. Thank you, Parker, brother. Very simple, this is called the planchette. You take this thing, you put it on the board. and This is not the scale, it's smaller than this. Bunch of people put their hands on the planchette and they ask a question, you know, uh, you know will I be happily married? And then the thing starts to move around. And, and uh, inside here, in this blank part of the planchette, the answers are spelled out or the yes and no appear or whatever. It's very easy for four or five people sitting around this board to put their hands on there and not be aware of the small manipulations they're making on the planchette that are moving it around. Very, you know. And, and of course, paranormalists will say, well, no, it's, it's demons, angels, God, what have you. Easy way to test it. Blindfold the people spin them around, spin the planchette around, spin the board around, put them on there, have them try and divine anything, it'll be gibberish. Very simple way to test that. Delusions. Delusions differ from what Bob was talking about earlier, hallucinations which perceive things that aren't there, illusions which perceive things that are there incorrectly, and delusions. This is, definition of a delusion is keeping a belief even in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Overwhelming evidence to the contrary, and you do not surrender your belief, you don't alter it. A very good example of this is anorexia. Uh, you have a, a young woman usually, you know, bone slender, dangerously underweight. They look at themselves in the mirror, and they perceive themselves as fat. That's a delusion. Happens to be a very dangerous one. Mass delusions simply are delusions that grip a community, generally for a short amount of time. Um, An excellent story is told about a panda that escaped from a zoo. I forget the country. I believe it was European country. Escaped from a zoo, and they had a picture of the panda on television. On the national news, you know, seen by millions of people. Thousands of calls flooded into the zoo about sightings of that panda. They saw it everywhere. You know, 10 miles away, 50 miles away. The fact of the matter is the panda wandered a few hundred feet onto a train track and was killed by a train. Sad story, but... An excellent example of of mass delusions. The four basic kinds are an immediate threat to the community. Uh, This would be like um, satanic cults nowadays. Uh, You know, people who believe that they see satanism all over the place uh, and and begin to perceive it anywhere, everywhere. The community flight panic. Um, The best example, this is when a community actually gets up and flees the area because of what they've been told, is Orson Welles and the War of the World Scare back in the 30s. It's disastrous, and the point about this is, when people begin to flee, just a few, and other people see that, it will infect them, and the panic will begin to spread exponentially. Unless you stop, sit back, and reflect on what's going on. You know, what is the possibility that Martians are actually attacking? You know, is there anything burning? Is there anything? I'm fighting? You know, stop. Don't forget your faculties in these cases. Wish fulfillment. Um, good example of that was the bank slide that Bob showed you. People who wanted to see the Virgin Mary in that oil state. They just wanted to see it, so they flocked to that bank in the hundreds. There's other cases like that that we'll discuss when we talk about cases. Small group group delusions are generally families that um, can be deluded by uh, a very powerful um, domineering father figure or mother figure, and they can simply lead the family down their delusionary path because of the, the structure. A cult would be an example of that, too, especially in a smaller cult. Okay, the fantasy-prone personality uh, is very important. This was first defined in 1983 by uh, two gentlemen, names I will find momentarily, thank you, closing Barber, who first defined this, and it, it again is another way to uh, explain much of the para- paranormal phenomenon that is reported around us. It's a normal personality variant. Now, it's, it's not a disorder. It's not classified as a disorder. It's not in the DSMV. but it's a variant of, of personality. Indicators of fantasy proneness include susceptibility to hypnosis, you know, hypersuggestibility, uh, possessing imaginary friends as a child, you know, long-term imaginary friends. You have the whole thing figured. You have to think about what that takes to maintain an imaginary friend sometimes for a number of years a level of detail that you have to go into because, um having psychic experiences having out about or floating experiences vivid waking dreams we, you know we all have daydreams people who are fantasy prone can be lost in their daydreams uh you know to the obviously to the detrimental effect of their workplace or the people around them they have visions and hallucinations the, uh, they encounter apparitions they receive of special messages you know they hear things that only they hear and you know, that, that, they're, that they're attuned to and clued into. Uh, an excellent study was done by Joe Nickel. Uh He's also the guy I heard the panda story from. He's a member of PSYCOP, the national skeptical group. John Mack, has, has anyone here ever heard of John Mack in Harvard? <laughs> All right, John Mack is a guy up in Harvard. He's a professor in Harvard. He's tenured. He runs a support group for alien abduction survivors. It's an active group. He's doing it today at Harvard. Uh, He wrote a book. Joe Nickel took the book, and he dissected the 13 cases in the book. And he looked at the 13 people that were described in the book, and he tried to see if there was any correlation to fantasy-prone personality. 11 of the 13 people had every single indicator of fantasy-proneness in their personality background. Another person had four, and another person had five. It's, It's reasonable evidence that this can account for uh, many of the paranormal f- phenomenon around us, and it's estimated that uh, between five and seven percent of the people in this country uh, could possibly be fantasy prone. Conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories stem from an innate human paranoia. This is uh, usually a positive thing. We're always on the lookout for things that can harm us and hurt us, and it's it's generally a good thing. But it can sometimes rise. To the point of being unhealthy when it combines with your emotional state for seeing patterns in chaos and it can rise to a point where where it it becomes unhealthy. The uh, appeal of conspiracy theories are are, uh, obvious. It's a way to bring together a bunch of disconnected stimuli into one coherent conspiracy that's easy to defend yourself against. Um it's also another excellent way to explain a lack of evidence for whatever it is that you're purporting. I don't have the evidence because there's a conspiracy against me to block it, you know, the, to to hide it. There's three components to a to a conspiracy. They are the conspirators, the saviors and the dupes. The conspirators are generally perceived as powerful, corrupt, they're, they're it's evil on an epic scale. Um they are incredible. They are um Able to have incredible foresight, insight, subtlety, but they also make horrendous mistakes. And that's the way that the second group, the saviors, are able to perceive them. The saviors are the group that, when you refer to a conspiracy theorist, that's generally what you're talking about, the saviors. These are the people that perceive themselves as the soldiers of light in opposition to the army of darkness. They're the few select individuals who perceive themselves as intelligent, smart enough to see through the veil, detect a conspiracy, and then try and educate the rest of us about it. And that's us. We're the dupes or the people who are just unaware of the conspiracy, uh, we're not part of the conspiracy, we're just, we're just helpless victims of it, the way they are and everybody else is. Again, it is often the government that is pinpointed by conspiracy theorists as you know, being the, the great corrupt, because it's an easy one. They're there, they're big, they have a lot of money. You know, so I, to me, it is inconceivable that someone can imagine our government, in this day and age, can keep a secret about almost anything you look You look at um, I mean, you know, the biggest secret the the atom bomb, the secret of the bomb and the manufacturer. how quickly did that spread to our arch nemesis of the time, the Soviet Union a couple of years before, before they had the atom bomb they had our secrets we can 't even keep the president 's affairs in the oval Office a secret i can 't imagine you take something like area fifty one where conspiracy theorists UFO. Uh, theorists say that you know it's a, it's a big government conspiracy. They've been hiding a crash saucer over there in aliens. I mean, it's unbelievable. There's hundreds of people would have to have gone through Area 51 and maintain that secret, that that profound secret of having a, you know some alien race there that we that we or a saucer that we captured years ago. All these years, inconceivable. So remember, you have to keep your critical faculties about you when you consider and encounter any of these things. Be aware of your own needs and your own vulnerabilities. Pause, reflect, be
0: wary. And now, some of our favorite clips of Perry, chosen by his fans. How
1: can two mathematicians come to a different conclusion? Well, one of them a dick. <laughs> Well, tell me Let's how big on. an angstrom is. An angstrom is about the size of your phallus. <laughs> can we please move on to, to number three? Astrology is as vacuous as the space it worships. Uh, bacteria protect them? Sure. Bacteria can do anything. And, uh, yeah, anything. birds Birds planning ahead? Absolutely. Every, every time they see a monkey, they plan on getting their asses kicked. And that's, that's basically accurate. So they, the first one's nonsense. Uh, yeah, monkeys uh, clearly perfume themselves. It's one of their one of their higher <laughs> order functions that they do. Unlike birds, by the way, who always yep. smell like bird shit. And remember, chi spelled backwards is crap. I believe that China will control the weather. Doesn't cooperate, <laughs> they'll have it shot. Yeah, I mean, uh, dolphins and monkeys basically could play chess together. Those are those are <laughs> brilliant animals. If the ether turns out to be true, I'll move to Iran and become a Muslim and I'll raise birds. Okay? That's that's my problem putting it out there right now.
0: We're going to hold you okay. to it, Perry.
1: Oh, You're damn, my right. God. damn right. Damn right. And if it's not true, I'm flying over there and telling the doctor he's a living baboon.
2: So either way we get a good shot. That's challenge. right.
1: Believe me, it is the extremism that's the problem. I mean, I I have been nauseated by the things that people of extreme faith uh, say many, many times in my life. Muslims, evangelicals, all of them. And I have been nauseated by rabid atheists who who I have encountered at, say, an atheist society are just as fervent, just as bigoted, and just as loudmouthed about their atheism as a, as a fundamental, the problem is, is extremism. I think to be intellectually honest, one has to, in my opinion,
0: has to say they're an agnostic. Birds-parry are actually quite bright. Uh, Some of them can problem-solve. Oh, will you stop already with the birds? And they have quite quite sophisticated language, and now um, European starlings were shown to have a recursive grammar. Okay, there's that one
1: chicken in Manhattan that can play tic-tac-toe. Also, any monkey could whip any bird's ass.
2: That's not true. What do you mean that's not true? Well, you don't think a, you think a little spider monkey could kick the an ostrich's ass? ass?ste
1: could trip him right on his long ganlyat
2: neck. Absolutely. wait, wait, is the monkey allowed to hold a shank of some sort? A shank.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait, yeah, okay. I'm
2: sure <laughs> that the monkey has a shank He'd jump
1: right up on his neck and give him a nostril flip <laughs> <laughs> do
2: Well I'm just you. saying that's the that's one of the monkey's main strengths is the ability to operate. A sharp object. the whole
1: opposable thumb yeah. situation. You know? Yeah, there
2: is something scary about a monkey with a knife. I'll, I'll give you that. There sure is. <laughs> Furious George. <laughs> Furious George. <laughs> That's a Simpsons joke. I can't take credit for that. Ostriches are such thumbs. Perry,
1: you're just an avian bigot. Let's face it. <laughs> come on. Ostriches it's are chums. You're a birdist.
0: Along with their birdist. avian cousins. You, you have you ever to stop ostracizing the ostriches. Oh, that was
2: bad. That was bad. Oh, my God. Did, <laughs>
0: Perry, did you know an ostrich could kill a man with one kick? Oh, please. Did
1: you ever see Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds? I mean, come on. It's really terrifying. Watch how we got a tiptoe amongst the seagulls. Get away from me. They give those dad, birds Abby. a drop kick.
2: Harry, <laughs> why is that so hard to believe? Have you ever seen an any a bird that size at a zoo? I saw the omen. Did you see what those baboons okay. did? <laughs> I'm not Come
0: kidding though. No,
1: right. Any monkey worth his salt would give any bird a beak
2: flip. No, t- Perry, I'm telling a you, that, that eagle flip? could come down on that monkey and break his neck before he knew what time it was. Nonsense. Yeah, he'd grab him by the beak and he'd go, bam, bam,
1: bam, bam. <laughs> uh,
2: that's what he would do. he <laughs> a beak flip. Wow, that was the most intellectual argument I've ever heard.
0: E- eagles are <laughs> impressive hunters, and these are very large birds. So, Perry, don't worry, because even if you're wrong, I mean, there's only 200 of these
2: eagles left. Pretty soon, you'll be right by default anyway, because they will all be dead. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, we're like monkeys, and we're killing all them. Perry, you, you very much stand corrected right now. Just take your lumps, and, and we'll, we'll move I, on. I disagree. Perry's Ridiculous. never been wrong in his life. Perry, you can't disagree. What's there, What are you disagreeing with? I
0: just did. The article also <laughs> says that the eagle eats deer. Deer? Deer. <laughs> like Bats, snakes, monitor lizards.
2: I would love to see that. I would love to see... An eagle swoop down and grab a deer. <laughs> oh, God. And, and they occasionally pick up domestic pigs. All right. All right. We'll see. Hey, don't, don't come crying to me when some eagle comes, comes down and sticks his talons in your back. Didn't it just say King Kong? Grab that bird by the beak and tear it open. Eeeeh! Crack!
0: But R- Rodan would kick King Kong's butt no. though. Rodan. <laughs> Birds. All right. Well, thanks for the email, John. We Please. appreciate the link.
2: An eagle killed Aeschylus, the Greek playwright. That's right. Dropped a uh, turtle on his head or something. So goes the legend.
1: Ornithologists are all misanthropes. I I think the final thing to say on this intriguing topic is that the Bernoulli effect would certainly have no impact on our monkey-bird battle because the first (laughs) move of the monkey is going to be to tear those wings right off. (laughs) And uh, Bernoulli will be right out the window with the wings. Next case. We all know that birds and monkeys never existed at the same time in the history of the planet. So this is all hokum. These raptors never existed with the great apes.
2: End of story. All right, but Perry, please, for the the scientific record, because we do have people out there that believe half the stuff we say, it did happen, and you're wrong. Perry, th- this, is, this is your opportunity to grasp intellectual
0: integrity, Perry, and admit that you were wrong.
2: Seriously, did the researchers look into the possibility that the the birds played dirty? You know, maybe... Were scavengers? Um, yeah. Maybe they dressed up like female or, monkeys. They, uh, or, or maybe they, they bribed some they, of the they They
0: characterized the birds as ambush hunters. They uh-huh. snatch them out of the I tree. I told you,
2: playing dirty. Yeah, they were dirty. dirty.
0: Uh, okay. say it. Uh,
1: let, let, let's just take, let's say, let's go on on a limb, no pun intended, and let's say that These monkeys and birds were around at the same time. Okay, fine. What did they do? They found a couple of bones, right? Bird bones and monkey bones.
0: How do they know that the monkeys didn't kill a bird? No, these were found in bird nests, in the nests. So
1: what? How
2: do you know the monkeys didn't go in there? (laughs) <laughs> Snap the birds' necks and live in a nest. And also the, the monkeys had scrawled, Oh God help me in berry juice.
0: <laughs> Perry, that's actually a very good skeptical question.
1: Of course it and is. The
0: answer is that the the primate skulls had talon holes in them.
1: <laughs> once again, once again, these are all assumptions. You don't know that there wasn't a king of the monkeys taking over the other monkeys and using their heads as bowling balls. Yeah, maybe the monkeys killed the
2: birds and used their talons as weapons against each other. And that's another possibility. The possibilities are endless.
1: Occam's razor. Cut off the ridiculous before you accept the
2: insane. You know what? God put those bones there to test us. Could the monkeys (laughs) have been dead and the birds just picked them up after they died?
1: Monkeys can beat birds. (laughs) My monkey cousins have often imitated beating up birds, giving them right and left, right. Unlike Uh, birds, all they can do is stand around and peck. A bit of news here that I think will finally put to rest our ongoing debate about who is tougher, birds or monkeys. There was a debate. Uh, Recently, uh, a fellow by the name of Robert Cusack, no relation to the actor, was uh, stopped at Los Angeles Airport. He was um, going through customs. He had just flown in from Thailand. When suddenly, a couple of birds of paradise escaped from his luggage and flew out over the heads of the customs agents. And he was he, he was an animal smuggler. He was trying to smuggle them into the country. And, you know, of course, the agents immediately, you know, grabbed him and they said, okay, buddy, you have anything else you have anything else to uh, declare at this time? And he said, and I quote, I have monkeys in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Further God. investigation <laughs> revealed that, in fact, he had two loris pygmy monkeys in his underwear. That's that sick,
2: perverted now, bastard. Here's <laughs> the, <laughs> Is there, there a lot of room in out? there?
1: Okay. Here's what I wanted to point out. A bird in <laughs> hands the hands <with> were two <laughs> in the bird? <bush>? No. Oh. <laughs> oh. Though sad, though sad, The birds of paradise, which had escaped his luggage, got into the nice wide open airport and something. Unfortunately, all the birds of paradise died. They couldn't take it. Their little feathery bodies, you know, they perished in the airport. The monkeys survived a trip from Thailand to Los Angeles in his underwear and continue to live to this day. Can you think of a more hostile environment
0: (laughs) that these two monkeys
1: survived in in? And, and they did. Uh, now this, uh, come on, this puts to rest any, any argument about who's tougher, F- little birds
0: of paradise, or these monkeys. Yeah, birds of paradise are not raptors. Surviving in <laughs> a man's crotch. These are, these are not predators, oh, these God. birds of paradise. Come are for these loris
1: pygmy monkeys. You know, this isn't King Kong. Evan. These, are, these are little monkeys. Evan, is he
2: still talking? <laughs> and they survived. <laughs> they must have been very little. Okay. Thank you. Well, fascinating wow. news item, Perry. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yes, I have one other news item I'd like to touch on uh, before touch we move already. on. Already, um, and yes, this uh, this concerns Steve and my uh, semi-continuing debate <laughs> on monkeys. Versus I birds. love this debate. Now, here on uh, January third, two thousand and seven. I have what I think everyone will agree is the definitive answer uh to this debate. I've been in contact recently with a doctor who remains several monkeys in Africa, <laughs> excuse me, in the Congo who runs a monkey preserve. And he's made some very interesting audio a little and video bias tapes to me. That's regarding all these
2: matters. Go on, I'm sorry. Excuse me.
1: And uh he made a particular audio tape that I really think We'll put the nail in this particular coffin. And I, I'd like to play this for you. Um, I, will just do some quick setup. The situation that, that he recorded was a monkey who found in his tree, his home tree, a rather large bird one morning, uh, really of a sizable bird. And what happened when the monkey encountered the bird and approached him? All right. So let's, let's play that for you now. And, um, uh, We'll we'll see how that encounter went. And so, please listen up.
2: Fortunately, I keep my feathers numbered for for just such an emergency.
0: Uh, awesome. We can
1: see definitive. that when he encountered wow. that bird, he clobbered him, grabbed him, he put up a brief fight, and he threw him out of the tree, and, and the bird now was Perry, there's, a pro- there's a problem. Go ahead, Jay. You go first, you, then. I'll... You, you bought this one hook, line, and sinker? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. This was sent to me by this unnamed doctor from the Congo. <laughs>
0: Dr. Bla- Dr. Blank.
1: Yeah.
0: My point. Think, my point is: was that the was that the bird talking at the end of that <laughs> <night> recording? <laughs> yes, it was. So if if that's the case, the then talks. perhaps the bird does have an advantage. Yeah, I didn't hear
2: the, the monkey. monkey talk.
1: You've never heard of MIMA birds? Did you hear
2: the monkey talk? Uh, I didn't. There's
0: various. It sounds especially like foghorn, leghorn. It's kinda it kind of did, good, didn't it? <laughs> well, Perry, that that that's irrefutable evidence. I got to hand it to you. What can I say? Very good, Perry. It's irrefutable evidence. Okay, so officially,
2: the the monkeys versus Uh, bird case is closed.
0: It's closed. closed. Uh, It's closed. Monkeys on top, so saith the doctor. Pending further evidence, of course. As in all scientific controversies, we will bend. As new evidence comes to light, we may have to modify our conclusion. Was it Dr. Livingston, I presume? Perry, I'll, I'll have to take you at your word due to your credibility and credentials that that is completely legitimate audio that we heard there.
1: Did you hear how hard he threw that bird
0: down? You could hear the beak <laughs> flip. You could actually hear the beak. I flip. I think you could. On. Yeah, you could hear it. Steve Thank increased you.
2: Perry's Thank medication.
0: <laughs> I like the
2: background music, though it was very.
1: very oh nice. man! I assume that that was just some of the soothing music he plays to keep the monkeys calm. <laughs> <And>
2: now you're. <laughs>
0: Perry is now joining us from his sickbed. He was so dedicated to his, performing his duty as the Quote Master of the Week that he wanted us to call him so he can give us the Quote of the Week. Thanks for joining us, Perry.
1: Perry D. Coming at ye
0: <laughs> with this quote. Perry's obviously delirious <laughs> from the medication that he's
1: getting. Perry, how's the morphine,
2: bro? Perry, save Wait, some for me.
1: This is just for you, S.G.U. listeners. <laughs> Listen up. <laughs> Goes like this. Intellectual growth should commence at birth, and cease only at death. That was Albert. Einstein, mm-hmm. eighteen seventy to nineteen fifty five a German born American physicist of some he's of some some note That's all for now I'll see you soon Oh, my dear friends bye bye for now Perry D'O see it. Very soon. Hopefully you'll be
2: eleventh, everybody. Bye bye. Later Perry. Thank you, see Perry. Bye bye. Bye. Do you know how many times the letters D, N, and A appear in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Come on. It's all over it. Stick with science, Bob. We'll do the jokes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, look, all right, but like, like all, like many of the of the things we discuss on this show, uh, this can also be very dangerous. And yeah, I yeah. have taken the time and effort to go out there and put together a top ten list of the top ten exorcisms <laughs> resulting in injury or death. So, from the all home right. office in Cheshire, Connecticut of the New England Skeptical <laughs> Society, we have the top yeah. ten
2: exorcisms resulting in injury or death. Somehow, I think this is going to be slightly more depressing than your average Letterman top ten. But go on. <laughs>
0: We'll have the uh, the top ten on our notes page. Why don't you just read the
1: top five? Number five: Five-year-old Abel Burney of Satin, of Staten Island was killed by her grandmother, by her grandmother and mother during an attempt to exorcise a demon that they believed caused Amy to have tantrums. Not being satisfied with vast quantities of mere water, these good women tied Amy down, forced her to drink a mixture of ammonia, vinegar, cayenne pepper. Black pepper and olive oil. They taped her mouth shut Ew, to prevent her olive from, sp- oil. from spitting <laughs> out the picture, And she expired. Police charge the women with second-degree murder, and both were sentenced between 12 and 25 years. Number four, in July 1996, five-year-old Brennan Spickard of Baldwin Park, Los Angeles, was beaten to death during an exorcism performed by her mother and two of her friends. All three women, who were taking methamphetamines, held the girl down and whipped her with a cheese board for two hours, stripping away several layers of skin and eventually killing her. All three women were convicted of murder. Number three, in August 1994, Hoda and a bear of England punched their mother to death. The daughters claimed their mother was possessed by a genie and said, quote, incomprehensible things. The daughters were st- sent to a state mental hospital. Number two, in May 1994, Lindsay and Janice Gibson were charged with killing their son. Janice had become convinced she was God. Not a mere angel, mind you, God. And had convinced her husband of this as well. Janice first tried to expel demons from her two-year-old daughter by beating her in the face for ten minutes. When Janice tried to exercise her husband's boss, he called the authorities. However, the doctor refused to sign commitment papers requested by social services as he felt the woman was just a religious fanatic. The next day, Janice convinced her family, and especially her 12-year-old son, were surrounded by demons. She fed them a hearty meal and then forced them to vomit vomit up to just consume food. She then kicked her son out of the house naked and into the cold. Later, while her husband restrained the boy, Janice beat him repeatedly in the head with... You guessed it, a concrete block. When police arrived, she shouted, quote, He's already dead! We killed him, you stupid men! Just like the first Jesus! Unquote. Mr. and Mrs. Gibson were both found not guilty by reason of folie au dieu, a rare psychiatric syndrome of psychosis, particularly a paranoid or delusional belief that is transmitted from one individual to another. And the number one exorcism resulting in death or injury... In April 1996, Simone Chapawa of Unden, Thailand, agreed to a ritualistic beating of her head and genitalia with a stingray tail by a shaman to exorcise evil spirits. After the exorcism began, she changed her mind and fled, only to be abducted later by the shaman, who continued the ritual until Mrs. Chapanya's death. The shaman was charged with murder.
2: Well, thank you, Perry. That was... uh... That was the most depressing thing I think I've ever heard in my life.
1: The amount of years that she will live longer than us because of her diet <laughs> is directly proportional to the horror of her life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> God.
0: The Skeptics Guide to the Universe is produced by the New England Skeptical Society in association with the James Randi Educational Foundation. For more information on this and other episodes, please visit our website at www.theskepticsguide.org. Please send us your questions suggestions and other feedback you can use the contact us page on our website or you can send us an email to info at the skeptics org theorem is produced by kineto and is used with permission